Cyberstate, everyone, the premier public broadcast of Galactica Network. My handle is citizen42.gala within the Cyberstate. You can call me Dave. And today I'm joined by my regular co host, John Reynolds. How are you doing, John? Uh, some very special guests as well in the form of Rob Sloan from TreatDAO. Uh, Going to have a great time. Um, just before we get anywhere, any, uh, any talking done, I just want to put out a very quick disclaimer. Um, so it's very important to remember that myself and John. Uh, and anyone, any team members who decide to join us on the panel, we are your guides to navigating the cypher state, but we are not your financial advisors. Our guests' opinions are indeed also their own, and nothing said in this space constitutes financial or investment advice. So now we have that out of the way, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's have a little chat to everyone. Uh, firstly, John, good to have you back up, mate. Uh, John is, our, is one from our BD team, and it's always good to have him up on the spaces. How you doing, dude? Yeah, doing well. I mean, it's always nice to have multiple projects that you've worked with and all that, and there's overlap for the use case. And it's just something that I've seen Treat really needs with the, or, you know, the privacy and identity and KYC stuff that they've experienced there. So excited to explore that conversation further. Yeah, hundred percent. I can see some really, really interesting stuff. Um, but then, but let's just introduce them. So, Rob. Uh, how are you doing, my friends? This is Rob Sloan from Treat Down. Hi, yeah, I'm doing great. Um, I'm very interested in the whole subject of, of digital identity and privacy, decentralized uh, uh, ways of working, better online, web free, and the cipher state sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty unique concept. It's a pretty unique concept. I think we can have a really good chat about that later, actually, and how. Uh, and how uh, like um, real people and real creatives uh, can uh, can make use of this kind of uh, this kind of system. Uh, but for the time being, uh, I think uh, everyone uh, should get comfortable. Also, uh, I see we have a few uh, a few more listeners now. If you guys could just do us a really big favor, jump down into the bottom right hand corner of the space, give us a like and a retweet on this space. It would really help us get some more people in here, and it would just help us put some more information out to more people. Um, if you have any questions during the space, uh, please feel free to just ask a question in the comments. Uh, also, you can request to speak. We're more than happy to have you up. Uh, so please, if you if you want to have a chat with us, you're more than welcome. Um, so yeah, um, I, I think I'll probably do a I'll do a couple of pin tweets during the space. I'll let you know when they happen, um, just so you can uh, get some ideas of, uh, of uh, what Galactica is doing uh, and of what Treat Tower is doing. Uh, so, Rob, if you have any um, like uh, call to action style tweets, uh, even now, if you wish, if you want to twit pin those to the top, you're more than welcome. Uh, and I'll do the same with the uh, with Galactica stuff, and we can call those out. Um, okay, guys. Uh, so I think we'll get on with it. Um, as always, we're going to start with some news to begin with the space, so everyone uh, stays nice and informed. Um, currently, we've got a uh, got a little bit of news. Um, so um, to begin with, we've got um, uh, India. 
So India has actually called for a global cryptocurrency framework uh, rather than like uh, just a, a national level. We're going to have they they want a global level. And India is currently actually the um, the leader of the G20, and you know the G20 has a rotating leadership, and currently it's India. Um, so they're um, looking at um, making they're trying to make a positive impact on the global economy according to their uh, according to their release. Uh, and also mitigate any risks uh, that are posed by uh, by cryptocurrency. Um, they're calling for a responsible approach, um, but uh, and try and balance the need for protecting consumers uh, with uh, making sure that we can still foster innovation. Now, those are all very good words, as we all know, um, but uh, it's uh, the devil's in the details. And um, any kind of global framework uh, needs to be truly global. For a start, and it needs to be. Um, it needs to make sure we protect people's privacy, people's uh, right to transact, and people's right to uh, not be interfered too much with by government. I don't know what you think, guys, uh, John. Yeah, it's sort of funny to hear India say this because I'm working with another project that's um, based in India, and I won't mention it because they literally say things like, you know, the government is super anti-crypto, super trying to like control everything, super against financial independence and sovereignty for for citizens. So I'm personally extremely skeptical whenever a country that has those actions and history says something like this. It seems very hand wavy, like, oh, we'd love to have it, but there's not you know, it's it's just dangerous. It's too dangerous for you guys. But once everyone else gets all their stuff together and we get a new world order, you know, then then we can do it. it to me, it's very strange. Yeah, I mean, once once we have the ability to monitor and control, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. It's interesting because if you were thinking monitor and control, you'd think of a national framework, right? For them to say an international framework is even stranger to me. Like it has no basis in reality. But maybe I'm missing something on well, it. Well, this possible. is actually may. I'm not sure. Like this is just conjecture. But it does. It may well lead into um, a piece of news that came across our desks um, maybe three, four weeks ago um, with the um, World Economic Forum uh, also um, like uh, announcing that they wanted to promote some sort of a global global um, blockchain based network. Um, so that's uh, you know if uh, and as we all know uh, if you don't then the World Economic Forum is kind of like a um, it's it's like a club for the rich rich and powerful um, and they um, you know they have a great deal of influence uh, over over almost all governments and an awful lot of what they say just tends to happen you know um, so it could just be uh, the tail end of that and uh, but we, I don't know it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing. What do you think, Rob, of, uh, of uh, like a, a kind of a, a global framework for cryptocurrency regulation? Well, I'm quite suspicious of it, and especially of India. I echo kind of John's uh, words there, but it seems like it's very convenient suddenly. And India is quite well known for being quite corrupt um, and also for having uh, a lot of self-interest when it comes to the, the you know, the, how it treats money in general. And I'm, I'm suspicious as well because of the fact that the BRIC uh, block is making a lot of waves recently and being uh, quite aggressive about trying to be a buffer against the United Nations. And obviously, there are a lot of vested interests that work with India 
behind the scenes who wouldn't have um, us as the general populace, uh, our best interests at heart. So I would actually say that if um, we could move towards a system of uh, DIDs, of de decentralized identifiers, and make our own data a lot more secure, then it may be possible to start working towards a kind of global framework for financial, decentralized financial services. But we're still a long way away from that. And as John said, I'm very suspicious of the actual intent. I couldn't agree more. And uh, with uh, again, with the, with the ideas, even it's it's all about the uh, the intent and the incentives of the of the people who are creating it, and you know why those uh, why the DID systems are being created. Um, so I like I'll I'll speak. Obviously, I'm biased. You know, from Galactica Network's perspective, um, we are building a DID system um, with uh, with you know the core tenants core tenants of crypto cryptocurrencies um, like Ethos in mind. You know, uh, decentralization, self-sovereignty, uh, privacy, all of these things uh, that may well not be guaranteed in a, in a system that comes out of a, um, of, out of a traditional finance or a, or a government, governmental system. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be an interesting thing. Uh, before we go on to anything else, and this actually does lead on to a, another topic that's just come across the, uh, come across the wire, um, which is very, it's, it's almost, um, uh, it's almost the opposite, to be honest. So, uh, BRICS. Uh, this is um, this is the like a, a block of countries uh, currently: Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Um, there are uh, there are more coming, um, but uh, the BRICS uh, countries, the BRICS block, has uh, decided to abandon their plans to create a common digital currency, and they, instead they want to. Um, they're talking about um, increasing the use of their local currencies for cross-border trade. Um, so, like, um, it, it, it's uh, it's almost contradictory <laughs> from the previous uh, from the previous uh, news article. So, um, I think I think there's a there's a lot of mismatching of um, of, uh, of, um, of 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 minds here, to be honest. Because I, I don't I don't think uh, much a lot of this mat um, uh, I don't think a lot of this makes a lot of sense, to be honest. Um, so, they're not entirely sure. Um, not entirely sure why, but like it looks like there's just been like complete lack of progress from the um, from like the uh, the BRICS digital currency project, um, and I guess mainly they want to reduce their reliance on the US dollar. I think that's almost certainly the primary influence. Um, so I don't know if you guys have heard the term uh, de-dollarization. I'm sure a lot of people have in uh, in this industry right now. Um, but I'd, go, I'd maybe just get a couple of opinions on uh, just the concept of de-dollarization and the BRICS block in itself. Yeah, I mean, this this is a very, very hot topic. So this is something that mentors of mine are very, very um, intense about uh, on the de-dollarization as a, as a risk to, you know, the global economy and hegemony and all that. So de-dollarization is basically denominating a, a foreign co a country other than the United States choosing to denominate their trade or their debts or their investments in a currency other than the U.S. dollar. So the U.S. dollar's hegemony or control comes from the fact that everyone in the world basically denominates their financial activity in dollars. And the reason why they do so is because it's relatively more stable than any other currency. So the de-dollarization is basically the challenge to the US financial infrastructure. For the past, I want to say eight years, I've seen people talk about de-dollarization and new world order currencies and commodity-backed 
you know, alternatives to the dollar. Like, oh, we're going to have a gold-backed stablecoin that China and Russia are going to use. We're going to have a petro. We're going to have something that they only use for oil, for whatever. At the end of the day, I've never believed in it. Um, frankly, because of the reason why I said earlier, the reason why people use the dollar is because it is the least volatile denominator. It's just the best for math. Like it's it's one of those things where when if you if you look at the volatility or just the unpredictability in the Chinese yuan or the Russian ruble or the South African rand um, or the Brazilian real, they are all absolute insanity when you compare them to the United States dollar. And um, I've never thought that those countries could get their act together enough to institute, let alone maintain a global alternative to the US dollar, but here well, I mean, I guess it's it's very similar to the kind of problems we have in crypto, like um just the fragmentation right. of liquidity, right? Right. And and incentives though is and that's a great that's a great comparison to crypto because at the end of the day, this is a coordination issue or coordination problem. And but it's also like a, a volatility issue. And so I, I don't I don't think that they're able to do it. And if they're doing it in local currency, then it just sort of defeats the point. So I, I don't that seems like a huge step back for the BRICS movement, which I'm under. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a bit of a step back. And uh, again, like it just seems like using local currencies will just fragment liquidity even further and make things even less efficient than they already are. Um, Rob, uh, what do you what do you think about BRICS de-dollarization? Anything you want to submit on that kind of subject? Well, uh, it's been a hot topic for a while now, de-dollarization, and a lot of countries um, seem to have very local issues to deal with, uh, very local trading partners, and um, obviously, even the UK since Brexit, you know, has had to look for new trading partners, new ways of doing business. And I think that's where some of the misinformation is coming from, because a lot of countries have uh, really high inflation right now. Uh, Turkey is a good example. Obviously, Venezuela, which is you know the poster boy for that kind of thing. Um, Russia itself, because obviously it's producing its own figures, but um, the most recent figures I've seen have inflation leveling at something like 60%. Uh, they're declaring 8%, but, um, you know, Russia has its own reasons, obviously, right now, including the war in Ukraine, for uh, producing these kind of uh, uh, macroeconomic figures. And I think it's just wishful thinking. I think the BRICS are trying to exert some sort of um, uh, unjustified, in my opinion, uh, new economic forum on the world, thinking that they can scoop in some of the minor countries, some of the ones which have uh, already existing deals with China through Belt and Road, et cetera. Um, and that's going to give them some kind of leverage uh, to probably lift sanctions. I should imagine a lot of this is about trying to pressure the US. But the most worrying thing that I've uh, kind of picked up on is but they may get their way to some extent if obviously there's another Trump presidency. You know, if he wins in 2024, then unfortunately he has a much warmer relationship with these autocrats and dictators um, than the Democratic Party has. And I really do worry then that we may see some uh, quite dramatic economic shifts and, in, and volatility and instability in world markets. It's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. Now, the only thing uh, I would say there is perhaps 
um, it's it's difficult to say whether it would be a positive or negative if um, if uh, whoever the next president might be uh, has warmer or colder relationships with this bloc. You know, I don't know. Honestly, I'm not. Uh, I'm not too boned up on uh, on U.S. politics, and I don't want this space to turn into a U.S. Pol- political show. But um, it's a it's an interesting topic, and I'd, like uh, if the next president was um, um, more hostile towards uh, towards these um, towards this block of countries um, and wanted to like uh, defend the dollar in a more ardent manner, or become like uh, do a bit more of the old uh, economic uh, economic warfare kind of thing. Uh, or versus, um, I, I assume from what you were saying, if uh, if a Republican president came in um, and uh, was more, was warmer with these countries and tried to, um, I don't know if that would result in more healed wounds. Uh, I, John, I mean, you're a, you're a resident uh, American. What do you think on that? Quickly before we move on to the next. Yeah, I, I yeah, I get very triggered when I think about the possibility of another Trump election. Just from like, I don't know a legal standpoint from being uh, indicted four different times. Anyways, um, yeah, it's, I, I agree that it's hard to say, but um, the really quick for non-Americans, the really, really quick and dirty way to think about American politics is like, are you a type of person who cares more about people or are you a type of person who cares more about markets? Uh, so... I'll let you work out which one's which, but yes, there is definitely one that skews more towards markets over over people. Um, but it's it's hard to say, and ultimately, um, I think it's it's more dependent on the BRICS themselves um, being able to have any sort of unified front at all. Because if they're not unified, then uh, you know, someone like Trump might be able to get like one or two deals together, but he's not going to be working with the entire unified block. So to me, it's all about whether they can actually uni- unify in a meaningful financial way, um, because that's the sort of problem that my old econ teacher said way back in, you know, 2000, 2010, um, the Eurozone is not a real, you know, financial and debt union and so it is a flawed system um and we've seen that time and time again with the fact that they all share the same currency but not the same debt um so we'll see i'm i'm skeptical but it depends on on the bricks block themselves yeah yeah that's completely completely fair to john understood uh, okay, you know what? Let's uh, let's move on to crypto a bit more. Um, so um, we have one more piece of news I just like to discuss before I dig into um, TreatDAO and uh, have a really good chat with Rob about various uh, really good topics. Um, so that is that uh, the SEC has actually charged um, a a podcaster um, who was offering NFTs uh, for um, selling unregistered securities. So this is the first time it's happened, like an actual charge uh, against essentially an NFT project. Um, so, uh, the project is called impact theory. Um, they, who raised $30 million by selling NFTs. Uh, these were called, uh, like founders keys, you know, some NFT projects have, uh, have various NFTs. So these ones were founders ones. Um, so the NF, the SEC basically found that these NFTs were essentially investment contracts and thus considered securities. Um, so, um, I think, uh, yeah, so impact theory has actually agreed to the cease and desist order, which was issued. And uh, they've been ordered to pay $6.1 million in disgorgement, um, prejudgment interest, and civil penalties. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's quite the, uh, 
um, uh, quite the penalty. And uh, clearly that this is uh, an enforcement action that's actually gone through just against an NFT project. And this, this is the kind of thing that I think would probably serve as, um, as, a, as, a, as a template for an awful lot of t- NFT projects, if I'm, uh, if I'm reading it correctly. Uh, so what do you, I don't know if you guys have heard of this. So maybe we'll start with Rob this time, uh, or, if, uh, or if you guys, uh, what kind of opinions you might have on this. Well, I think it's about time. <laughs> I mean, since 2020, I guess, or uh, 2021, there have been a lot of NFT projects, a lot of influencers, a lot of people uh, using NFTs as, as uh, commodities and uh, as gamification, as unlockables for all sorts of uh, things. And I think the whole thing has pretty much sucked. Um, and there have been a number of very high-profile rug pulls and a number of NFT projects would have been there one day, gone the next, with a lot of people making a lot of money and running off to the hills. And it's, in my own opinion, it's it's been you know high time that um, you know some government agencies have come down hard on these kind of uh, criminal activities because it's it's just given such a bad name to a thing. And the NFT market has been in a kind of bear market for the last. Uh, 18 months, probably longer. And part of the reason for that has been, has been pure uncertainty and has been the fact that people just don't trust these projects anymore. So on the one side, of course, my decentralized hat says, oh, government getting involved with NFTs, government getting involved with you know crypto, decentralized things, not good. Um, but on the other side, you know, I believe it is good that we see some kind of legal systems coming through, some kind of precedence being set and people being held to account. In my view, yeah, 100%. I think, uh, I think we're too right by our pounds in crypto. Uh, John, what do you think, mate? Yeah, I mean, look, not all of these are securities, but a lot of them are securities. Also, you overlay that Venn diagram with scammers and like legitimate fraudsters, and there's a lot of there's a lot of people, there's a lot of projects that are that are gonna have similar things. That is unequivocally true. So I I echo Rob's statement, like you know, <laughs> it's about time. Um, as someone who has no problem professionally identifying with nfts uh i do have a little bit of a problem you know personally and telling people not in the space that i am into nfts because it's kind of like that uh taboo thing for for the normies where they're like oh but i hear it's just all scams and it's like well no but there are a lot of them, and some of them yeah. are in nature. So, <laughs> like, um, uh, just for some, just a little bit of additional context. I don't think I'm not. I, from what I've read, it's not entirely. It wasn't really um, um, considered a scam as such. It's simply that um, it was a project that was um, quite often promising value um, from right. on the back of the team. Right, right, and I mean the reason why I say scam is because, um. It's it's a misrepresentation of the rights that people have as investors to go through a securities um, interaction without it being properly designated and legally rubber stamped as a security. Like that is, it's not exactly what I meant in terms of scams, but 
in terms of like misrepresenting things um, or just straight up saying like, in the, I don't know if this is the case, but like, you know, hey, if everybody works on this, like, we'll all make money on this. It's like, that's pretty straightforward in terms of like the Howie test. Um, so it's definitely not okay um, in that instance. And I, I 100% any derivatives or, or investment contract security things um yeah like unless you did the paperwork like eventually they will get to you and they will take your ticket on that like that's that's how you hope this stuff works yeah yeah and consumer protection is a real thing like uh, people like to laugh at it in crypto but it's uh it's uh, it's a real thing and it matters um okay guys um so we actually have um just before we go on to uh to the next section i just want to answer a quick question um we have uh, swiss world mania in the chat and uh in the space welcome mate thank you very much for that post you put out that was really helpful and thank you for uh, just basically uh being could be a representing galactica so well appreciated um so as for your question um you're um the talking about the ubi uh so universal basic income uh is uh just for anyone in the room who doesn't already know something that's offered um, via the Galactica Network Passport. Um, you're, you basically hold a Galactica Network Passport and you, uh, you, one of the benefits of doing that is you earn a UBI based on the value output uh, of Galactica Network itself. Um, so that's you know, just a, a guaranteed input. Uh, um, um, like, uh, uh, it's, it's just an income based on um, b- both the inflation of Galactica Network and uh, we say the outputs. Um, basically, the output currently would be uh, from thing, from um, from systems such as the um, Academy of Sciences, uh, which is our decentralized uh, public goods funding. Um, so you know any uh, project can rock up to the Academy of Sciences through the correct channels, uh, and in a decentralized manner, um, gain funding via the protocol. You know, like uh, um, using uh, a variety of mechanisms. Um, but the point, um, the end result of the Academy of Sciences, for example, is that uh, the project gets funding in stages that's unlocked through decentralized governance. Um, so that's value to the project. And then um, any of the successful projects um, provide a percentage of their value straight back to the UBI pool. Uh, so basically, the UBI increases as the um, value of the network goes up as far as like public goods and uh, other systems as well. Um, so I hope that gives you a vague idea, um, Swiss Board Mania. Um, but if there's any further clarification, please do ask again. More than happy to. Um, so um, I would like to just ask again, guys, if you could give us a like and a retweet on this space, I would be so appreciative of it. Uh, we're giving some good information in this uh, space right now, and uh, we're about to get even better. Uh, we're about to have a really good chat with Rob about, uh, about well, privacy, identity, all the good stuff. Uh, as well as treat down itself we'd love to learn more about that um, so if you can give us a like and a retweet that'd be great uh, and uh, and we'll carry on um okay uh, so rob if you're if you're ready and if you're happy i would love to discuss uh, well at least find out a bit more about you and about treat down that's cool uh yeah sure um about myself i mean i'm a career content creator i guess you'd say i, I was um, a photographer uh, professional photographer, worked with METR, Playboy, and uh, Vogue, and ID, and various other magazines. I've simultaneously also had a concurrent career as a writer, and I wrote in Hollywood for five years, working script writer for Kings Road Entertainment, and uh, working with various agents and uh, actors, and 
all sorts of people basically churning out scripts every week. So it was, I was a bit of a gerbil on a treadmill, um, but that was okay. And I've also worked variously in Silicon Valley um, with companies as a producer, producing things like video games, uh, especially advanced uh, software engineer um, systems for video games like AI packages, like uh, interfaces, APIs, with uh, various um, uh, tool sets like Unreal Engine and uh, and so on. And um, yeah, and I got into crypto pretty early on. Um, I really like the idea. Uh, I, I love the idea of decentralization. That led me pretty quickly to Web3. And from there, it was a hop and a skip to NFTs, which again, I loved. I was actually asked by a magazine called Glasshouse Magazine to write uh, a complete edition um, just about NFTs is a very new thing. So I did that. And then I was having a kind of on-off uh, DMing on Twitter with a guy called uh, Devon. And he invited me to come over and have a look at Treat. He thought I would love the community and set up an admission statement. And back then it was quite new. It had been operating for, I think, eight months. And I met John, uh, which was a great pleasure. So hi, John. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I got to know the core team um, who were very professional. And then I began to understand how DAO actually operates and the decentralized manner of that community with all the voting systems, with the council and so on. And they asked me to contribute art, which I did, and contribute photography, which I did, and create NFTs, which I did. And then they asked me to write a magazine for them. Um, and so that was really how I had my introduction to working with my first ever DAO and uh, learning on the job, really, about uh, web-free crypto and um, the potential of it. And the potential is enormous, I think, for web-free decentralized uh, platforms and projects. It's just that it's been a difficult market recently uh, for all the reasons we've touched on with, uh, you know, new regulations coming into force with uh, a lot of big platforms uh, folding up because of uh, fraud. Um, the big uh, shockwaves that were sent through crypto as a result of that, which then hit the NFT market pretty squarely. And uh, so, yeah, we, we went through uh, our own tribulations in Treat, but we uh, came through it because the core team is strong. And we just kept working. We just kept, kept our heads down and working. Now, the Tree community is also made up of uh, content creators, of course. One of the unique things about Treat is it's very much not suitable for work, but not like some of the alternatives, which I won't mention, <laughs> because even some of the platform names are pretty explicit. Um, but they tend to tend towards the you know Pornhub side of things, whereas Treat never has. Treat has always positioned itself more as a Playboy alternative, but just web-free. And that's very much how, how, how I edited the magazine, was to be like a you know a high-class uh, professional magazine in the style of a you know FHM, GQ, with um, a lot of emphasis on the community itself. So a lot of articles about crypto news, some of the news like, like you just mentioned, with Galactica, uh, talk about other projects as well and bringing in partners and bringing in uh, like-minded people and also featuring some pretty amazing creators. Um, we, we had Stormy Daniels last year um, at the height of her 
uh, yeah, fame or infamy, whichever you look at it, look at however you want to look at it. Uh, obviously, because of the case that was going on in New York at the time, and she did a, a she was really generous with her time. She did an exclusive interview, video interview, um, and and also a pictorial set. And we also had Brittany Andrews and various other uh, people who are kind of legendary in the adult community um, and in entertainment, uh, coming from old school entertainment, which is really interesting because we get that contrast between what came between 1970s and up to the point where, you know, video went to streaming and then streaming went to what we have today, which is much more only fans. And we've kind of used the magazine to chronicle some of that stuff. So a lot of the information over the last 13 or 14 magazines has been kind of capturing uh, where the adult space was and where the adult space has moved to. And I think that's probably uh, as best I can do for an introduction to how Treat works. That was that was great. That was great, Rob. Yeah. Wow. You've got a lot. You've got, firstly, you've got uh, your fingers in a lot of pies and that's great. It's absolutely wonderful to see. Um, and uh, it sounds like a, a, a super, super interesting um, structure you've got there. Um, so I guess um, um, maybe we'll focus on on, on the, the DAO itself first. Um, like, uh, so what does the what does the actual DAO do? Like, what, what what's uh, what's the what's the value proposition of the DAO for for creators and for people? Uh, um, I guess uh, I don't know if the the magazine is truly tied to the DAO or if it's just a separate entity. Can you just uh, give us a bit more information? Yeah, the DAO is really the ecosystem. Um, for treat, I mean the treat. There's a treat token, which is uh, the, the the treat coin, um, and that's part of a BNB network, uh, smart chain, and that obviously holds value. And the the DAO is the treasury of the DAO is partly uh, you know funded by the token price, the tokenomics, and then there's also the NFT platform, which has been developed over the last uh, three years, I guess, uh, since the beginning of treat. It's gone through a lot of change. Changes. The most recent update is probably the strongest update. And the NFT platform allows for all the traditional things, so collecting and uh, trading and, uh, you know, and also having a secondary market. And uh, the difference, the only difference really between the treat NFT platform and uh, the usual ones you have out there is, of course, it's very much skewed towards adult uh, content. Um, and there's also a uh, treat gaming, which is basically an online casino and uh, has uh, gaming sports books. And that's part of the ecosystem. It shares the same brand, but it's not um, part of the DAO. It's a separate entity and it's a separate company. And then the magazine is almost like that too. It's almost like a separate entity. In fact, there's been some talk about spinning it out into its own uh, entity, uh, LLC or another company. Um, and the purpose of the magazine isn't just to be a community update and to obviously showcase creators' content. It's also to kind of drive the NFT marketplace in a different kind of way. It's to give it that sort of almost luxury status, which uh, I think most other platforms don't have because they don't have a magazine, a physical magazine. And the magazine is available print on demand, but it's also taken to shows and cons and events and does very well. Um, people really enjoy buying the magazine, having the magazine uh, as a physical opposition. Yeah, yeah, I so, absolutely love that. I think having like a, a physical product um, as a as a as a Web three based company is absolutely awesome. Like we, we've actually tried doing. We're we're going to be doing the same thing with our uh, passports for the people who want one. They can have. Tea. Sorry, dog. 
<laughs> you can either have the NFT or you can have the physical product. Please, Rob, carry on while I deal with my dog. Yeah, I was going to say, are you okay? It sounds like you're being attacked by the hound of Baskervilles there. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, it's great having a physical product because it's something you can show at cons and events and it draws a lot of attraction from people because people obviously want to be part of a magazine. They want to be on the cover. They want to um, be seen in there because it's, it's a showcase. It's a showcase for the best NFTs because we do we are very selective in the kind of content we show in a magazine, it has to be, you know, something that is pictorial, editorial, that has that sort of fashion look. Um, and, you know, most of the stuff is actually not what you call not so for work. I mean, there's no triple um, X content at all. All of the content is either, you know, again, top shelf magazine or it's even skewing towards, dare I say it, um, high fashion. And that's kind of where we've been positioning it. And we're also producing merchandise that hasn't quite come on stream yet, but there's a plan for a merchandise store to be part of the ecosystem. And that would add the extra value because what you see in the magazine, you'd be able to buy um, as T-shirts, baseball caps, keychains, bumper stickers, and so on. And that kind of lends another level to it. So it's, it's almost like, one of the intangibles with any kind of web free decentralized project is seeing something that gets off your laptop and enters into in real life IRL. And that's very much what we wanted. Very from, really from the beginning, we sort of saw Treat as a quasi um, web free project and also something that would have a big impact in real life, especially for the kind of creators we're talking about who, you know, have, uh, I'll come on to this later, but they've, they've faced a lot of uphill hurdles um, and struggles because of the way the tech industry is, because of the way that they have to put maybe a lot more of their privacy on the line, I mean, ironically speaking, than other content creators do to actually get over those institutional hurdles of not being able to advertise, not being able to, um, you know, show explicit pictures and so on on traditional social media platforms. So we really want to treat to be that kind of support empowerment and somewhere they could make profit absolutely amazing yeah absolutely and uh, i i can i can only imagine the difficulties uh with uh, with the dog creators uh, trying to like uh they, they really they, they follow the same model as a lot of creators i guess in that they're really searching for those like um highly incentivized very loyal uh fans right yeah, absolutely. That's kind of their manner from heaven is to be able to, you know, have a safe space where they can interact with fans and feel like there's a sense of community around that. And a DAO is a very powerful thing. If it's if it's um, working as an inclusive community that, where people can have total freedom of speech, then I think it's uh, it's a great boon. And that's kind of what we try and offer people. We, we were, we're very keen to promote the message uh, as much as we can, but you know, uh, an adult creator who, for instance, maybe uses AI art or uses play or uses any kind of medium, even a writer could come on to treat and find a space where they, you know, where they feel empowered. Absolutely amazing. It's, it's, it's great to provide that kind of space. Um, so, yeah, I guess um, it would be good to get into like um, into the privacy and identity part of this because uh, I'm, I'm super interested in this. Um, so um, I guess uh, adult creators, um, they, as you, as you said, they kind of have a lot more on their plate on the, in a regulatory manner than, than most people and most creators in, in addition. Like, um, so, um, um, what we're currently doing at Galactica Network, 
um, is we're trying to provide um, a baseline um, expectation of privacy to start with. Um, and then, uh, you know, we integrate a digital identity system uh, and a reputation system on top of that. Um, so, um, you know, we can have um, someone who uh, makes a makes a makes makes a, an account makes makes a makes a you know a blockchain wallet, um, and then they can um, uh, in a private manner they can communicate off chain with a KYC provider, um, and uh, they this is uh, like with their, with their documentation and their blockchain address completely separated from each other, so even like the KYC provider will never know what the blockchain address of the person they're dealing with is. Uh, they can get KYC on chain uh, using uh, what we call zero knowledge technology. I'm sure a lot of people in the space have heard of that. Um, and uh, and then you can prove to other people on chain various aspects of yourself. Um, so you know whether you're over 18, whether you're from a sanctioned entity or a sanctioned country, uh, all sorts of things. Uh, you can just prove basically anything about yourself without giving up any privacy. Um, so I'm just wonder, wondering if um, if that kind of system would. Uh, uh, benefit your um, benefit that uh, benefit adult creators, or uh, and in addition, uh, what kind of um, systems you're currently using, um, or like uh, how how the how the system currently works within TreatDAO uh, for creators. Yeah, I think the whole idea of, of the cipher state and uh, everything I've read about Galactica makes an awful lot of sense and would actually benefit um, adult content creators, maybe even more than most. And also gig workers, because gig, the gig economy workers is another area where people have to put a lot of information out there to actually attract in work. Um, an example would be freelancer, for instance, where they have to include along with their bio and uh, what what their skills are and experience. We have to include things like their location, education, oh, their voice, maybe intro videos. Or is it just me? Sorry? Sorry, John? Hi, John. Uh, are, you, are you okay, John? What, what were you saying? Uh, I think John may be having technical difficulties. I'm not sure. Maybe you should jump down, jump down, John, and then maybe jump back up again. Yeah, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we can, can hear you now. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I missed like the last 30 seconds. That's okay. As long as you can oh, okay. hear us both, that's what matters. Well, I can recap a tiny bit. I was talking about how um, that something like what Galactica is offering in terms of its uh, decentralized identifier is a great thing to have for uh, not just adult workers, but also workers in the gig economy. Because I was just stating that one of the things that a lot of people maybe don't realize is how much information a gig worker has to put out there in order to attract in work. And it doesn't just include their phone numbers, email addresses, it's their location, their education, which means you can see where, where they've studied and which schools they've been to, um, their voice, which means obviously now with the sophistication and the growing sophistication of AI, that it's, it's going to be just a couple of years away where you can uh, replicate someone's voice even from a 30-second sound, sound file, uh, which is scary, obviously, uh, given ramifications for scamming, phishing, and uh, hacking and fraud. And one of the other things uh, which I think needs to be really uh, made a more serious issue than it probably is right now is the fact that um, every minute you're online, you're leaving behind this breadcrumb trail of data. And that data isn't passive in any kind of way. It's being hoovered up and used, uh, often used in antitrust ways by social media platforms, for instance, uh, by uh, advertisers, by bad actors in various countries. 
Um, we all have heard about TikTok, for instance, and how you know it's it's feeding information directly to the CCP. And that's just one example. Those are the ones we hear about and know about. And I think that adult workers are uniquely um, exposed uh, it, it, to this because of the fact that they're putting their pictures out there continuously on Instagram and so on. And those pictures are being used often for catfish scams, for fraud, um, for all sorts of cyber crimes. And it's becoming a, a pandemic. It's becoming an epidemic. Um, uh, the, the, you know, now you, you talk to people in the street and you ask people and they have zero trust in most of the institutions, especially Meta, Google and so on. And it doesn't help that both of them are being taken to court by the EU for exactly that, for antitrust um, and for the way we are selling data to everything from government agencies, again, through to marketers who are invasively marketing you know, against people's wishes to children, to to people who've never once given permission um, for their data to be used in that way. And as I said, with the adult community, it, it it's even more so because the effects of being doxxed go beyond simply, oh, you know, I'm uncomfortable with this and I'm uncomfortable because there may be something bad happening. It gets to the point where, you know, these people are, in some cases are actually going to be losing their career. For instance, if someone's actually a teacher by day and does a little bit of streaming by night or, or creates naughty NFTs or does OnlyFans and they're doxxed, then it can destroy their career and have all sorts of very serious knock-on effects. So if there was a passport, a digital passport, a digital wallet, a digital mask, as I like to call it, um, that would help prevent that, I think that's nothing but an absolute boon and would be something that I can see a lot of people taking up. Um, because as I say, you don't know who the OnlyFans girls are. You don't know if it's your next door neighbor. You don't know if it's a store owner, a doctor, a lawyer. I mean, why not? <laughs> you know, a teacher. But imagine ramifications if they're outed. Imagine ramifications if their pictures start appearing online with a real name and address and location. Yeah, I mean, this is this is there's so much to unpack there. There's there's the the stigmas. There's the, there's the lack of authenticity, uh, the lack of provable authenticity. Uh, but John, I think you were unmuting a bit, so please, mate, if you have something to say, please. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think the digital mask is a really good analogy um, because currently it's like we're all running around online naked effectively um, with how much information we are just spitting out into the world and trusting, you know, third party data storage providers um, and centralized data platforms like, like Meta, Facebook, Instagram, the things that I grew up with. And then, you know, Google, if you really want to go a little into the crazy areas, but um yeah, there there has to be a choice for the individual in how much data they choose to um, actively disperse instead of just leaking all of the data everywhere all the time. And I think the the Galactica passport and the the um, what's it called the separation of like the identity and the entity is a very critical thing because. Even if you're not, you know, making NFTs or, or even if you're not doing whatever, like you don't want people to know every single damn thing about you when you do something on chain. And, and you know, I, I, I've explained this before to, to family members who don't understand privacy. And I'm like, well, 
currently the system is if I pay you for a job, I can see every amount of money you've ever had in that wallet and all the entities you've worked with. And they are always shocked to hear that. Um, frankly, they are more shocked to hear that than they are anything else. Um, so transparency uh, only goes so far um, for privacy. You have to at least have the choice. And we, we don't currently have um, you know, a good choice. And that's something that is what got me really excited about you know, this conversation because there's a massive value overlap between the, the things that are being offered by each of these, um, these entities in TreatDAO and, and Galactica. Absolutely, John. And uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head there with choice. Um, I think, um, you know, we've had, what, 300,000 years or so of uh, modern humanity, like modern, I say, like, you know, as we're gunning from, uh, from tribes to uh, expanding society in the way that we have. And um, after all that evolution of society, we are um, in a position where we, we know what works for humans. Yeah, we know how like uh, groupings of humans um, uh, work together in the most efficient way. And um, as we're trying to move um, humans into a digital space, um, you know, we've tried over the last you know, 20 years or so of this being a thing, um, we've tried and tried to get uh, to represent humans on chain. And the way we've done it previously in like traditional systems like, like Twitter, like what we're using right now, you know, we just give up information. We give up information to, to prove um, that we are genuine human actors. Um, but that's, uh, that, that only works to a point. And especially when um, we're working with blockchain, um, you know, blockchain is, um, it's an ideal system for a lot of things. Um, but one thing it's not good at is, um, is true privacy, as, uh, as alluded to by John. You know, on blockchain, you have suedonymity. Um, so as Rob said earlier, in fact, everything you do on blockchain leaves breadcrumbs it leaves uh, a trail and most people that's even that's if you're being like even if you're being the most careful in the world then you leave a bread trail of some form I've if got you're not say, it's not breadcrumbs it's entire loaves of bread yeah. like, the entire <laughs> thing is there a hundred percent yeah i mean you give a, a direct trail to everything you do and that's if you're being careful if you're not careful like most people are and, you know, you, uh, you go on Twitter or you go on your favorite social media platform and, you know, you reply to one of these uh, posts that's saying, post your address down below and you might receive some money. If you post your address, then you are then almost completely doxed to at least some entity. Okay, so completely doxed in real life, your blockchain address and, uh, and, and your identity. But this is like uh, something that we are absolutely passionate about is this you have a right to privacy. You may not have a complete right to secrecy, okay? But you have a complete right to privacy and you should expect that. And in order to get like um, um, people like uh, creatives, like adult creatives, like, uh, like the people who are the creators from TreatDAO or from, uh, from anywhere else, in order to get them um, having a fair deal, um, in order to have like anyone having a fair deal, on chain, they need to have this expectation of privacy. They need to have the ability to um, identify themselves while still maintaining that privacy, and they also need to be able to prove whatever they need to prove. Um, so that's those are like the, the the basic tenets of what we're trying to do here. And uh, and yeah, I I, I think um, 
I think uh, creatives, uh, especially adult creatives, deserve a, a better deal in all this. They really do. Yeah, I'd like to say something, if that's okay. Um, I think you're absolutely right. The choice is the most important part of all this equation. And having a self-sovereign identity, one that you choose for yourself and want to put out there, is uh, preferable um, in almost every way, uh, not just for what you do online and to avoid those <laughs> loaves of bread, as John put it, being left behind you, um, but also in real life. You know, in real life, it's a nice idea better to walk into Starbucks and not have to identify by, by any other name but one you want to have. And that's kind of what the uh, digital wallet can give you. That's what the um, passport can give you. That's what that digital mask gives you, a decentralized mask. And it should be foolproof. It should be bulletproof, you know, because otherwise, why would you use it if it's going to be just as, as, um, uh, as prone to being exploited as everything else has been online over the last five to six years? So uh, I agree completely. Self-sovereign identity is the crux of the thing. Choice is the crux of the thing. And if it can be proven that a system can be created, which is secure and bulletproof and, and can't be got around with, you know, anti-privacy uh, laws or by, you know. Again, one of the problems we're having in this conversation is we're, we're talking, I guess, uh, mostly to people from the Western world. Obviously, when you look east, when you look towards China, Pakistan, the Middle East, um, a lot of these uh, things we're talking about are completely nullified by the kind of uh, governance that these countries have, uh, autocracies, dictatorships, and theocracies, um, not allowing people to have uh, simple rights, not, not allowing half the population to have any rights at all in some cases. And so it, it really is um, quite an insurgent idea, a revolutionary idea, because if a, a version of this could work, if a galactica um, uh, cipher state could be proven to work, could be made to work and rolled out, you know, across several industries successfully, then I think it would give um, an awesome momentum to people who do want to protect their privacy and possibly would help those people to find a form or a way of life um, which could avoid some of the worst impulses of their governments. Absolutely, Rob. Well, well, well said. Well said. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you can imagine someone, uh, uh, someone in, um, oh, where is it, in, uh, in Niger right now, they're having a coup. Okay, so in, in Nigeria, they're having a, 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 a militant coup um, where, in which the, uh, the government has been overthrown by a, a military host um, and, um, and people's rights are being oppressed. Now, if, um, you, know, if you, instead of basing, like in, in traditional finance, uh, the governments are, and the financial institutions um, will generally lock down funds in some way or another in a time of desperation in any society, um, any centralized entity will do everything they can to protect their monetary system, um, you know, from, uh, from citizen uprisings, from whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, those uh, institutions will lock down your funds. Now, if you instead did your banking, if you were your own bank, um, you were your own bank, you had um, the ability to um, both uh, identify yourself um, or remain private at your own wish. Uh, and you could uh, you could um, you could make sure that all your um, money was not in a in a in an inflationary um, in an inflationary currency. Um, then you would be having a much better time in that country because you would have a much you would have much better um, like uh, financial freedom for a start. Uh, you'd have you'd maintain at least part of your so sovereignty. 
even if it wasn't physical sovereignty, you'd be able to maintain like uh, at least part of your uh, physical and uh, you, you'd be able to maintain part of your financial. And indeed with Galactica Network, as an example, you'd be able to maintain your, um, your data sovereignty as well as your financial. Um, and you'd have options. Uh, whereas uh, if you uh, use the uh, traditional finance system, uh, you would basically, you know, you're at the, you're at the whim of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of a government or of uh, any centralized entity, really, whether it be a government or private, whatever it may be. Um, there's just too many, uh, too many large entities, too many powerful entities that have control over our lives. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we espouse um, self-sovereign uh, control of your assets and your data. And it's going to be increasingly difficult, guys. Uh, everyone in this room, I mean, you, 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 you know it. Uh, if, you, if, you, uh, if you weren't in this room, you, would, uh, um, you, you clearly know, that you know, know this information. Uh, but it's going to be more and more difficult, in, especially in like uh, pseudonymous systems, uh, even in blockchain, things like that. Um, your pseudonymity will not last. That needs to be known. Um, so in a pseudonymous system, again, if you leave breadcrumbs, you leave whole bread loaves, as John was saying. Um, so um, like uh, all these things uh, will eventually lead back to you in one way or another. Even if you're the most careful person in the world, um, then you will have multiple uh, AIs, and uh, like uh, even in the future, you will have quantum uh, quantum powered AIs, uh, which will basically just troll the entire internet for any breadcrumbs it can find, and link absolutely everyone to every piece of data they can find to identify everyone everywhere they've been. So, if you don't have that initial layer of privacy, then that layer of privacy, even if it's suede anonymity, will not last. Um, so it's a bit uh, it's a bit uh, scary, but I think. The uh, the start is having this base baseline expectation of privacy. Sorry, John, you were coming off mic. Uh, no, 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 I'm good. Yeah, I think it's all. I mean, I did this the other day, like with the friend tech conversation. So you have to you have to fund the wallet, right? So you have to send the money from a wallet that you have and control to a new wallet where they don't even have a privacy policy. So effectively, you know, I realized, oh, great, like, you know, now I've got to figure out my privacy stack again, because just by match by having activity between those two wallets where one is managed by a centralized provider, um, I've effectively doxed myself. Um, and so now I have to go back and, and play around with a few other things to, you know, see what type of privacy options I have on chain. Um, but they're limited. Yeah, it's it's a real problem because it's only going to get easier and easier for software and AI to analyze and derive insights from the blockchains. So you have to assume that over time, if there is any activity between any of your accounts or entities, they will be figured out eventually. So it's a very strange reality where you have to set up and maintain these sort of silos of value where you can't have any of them interact with other ones uh, for fear of a future boogeyman. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, or you could set yourself up on a, just a, you know, one of these um, um, uh, solutions that focuses completely on privacy and then you'd never be able to really do anything with it because no one will ever actually, you know, take your money. That's the, that's the problem in a non-regulated environment. People require some level of trust. And uh, so like, this is why we've created the stack that we have at Galatska Network and with the Cypher State concept in general, uh, is that you can prove yourself while maintaining your privacy. That's, uh, 
key concept that is the only way that we can really have any form of extension of society on chain, I think. Um, so I just want to um, just uh, reset the room a little bit. Um, we've been going on for a while and it's uh, been an absolutely amazing conversation. I'd just like to reset a little bit. So if you guys uh, we've got some new people in the room, if you could um, go down to the bottom right of the space and give us uh, a like and a retweet. If you've enjoyed what you've been listening to, if, you, uh, if you're getting educated in any way, shape or form, uh, please, if you could give us a like and a retweet, that'd be super helpful. Uh, if you have any questions, again, please just ask in the comments. Or you can request to speak. We're actually more than happy to have you up here to ask questions. Um, in fact, uh, we actually have one question uh, from uh, from the comments. Uh, this one's from Sen the Slayer, who is uh, one of our highest uh, one of our highest ranking uh, Discord members. Um, he's been working his way through the Cyber State campaign, and uh, will most certainly be getting hold of one of our Galactica Network passports. So, if you want to check that out, just join our Discord, and you can find that out. But his question is as follows, uh, Rob. Uh, he says, uh, "Do you have any metaverse or virtual platform aspirations?" Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, I think no at the moment because uh, the metaverse is yet to be proven by anybody. I think <laughs> Meta have dropped what three and a half billion dollars into it so far, and uh, obviously Apple have also developed. Um, what it, what it uh, claims to be a very groundbreaking headset for VR, but it's almost like they're putting the you know the cart before the horse because there isn't any real uh, killer app yet for VR. I mean, obviously it's VR chat, and in fact that's a very good question because it brings me on to the point I wanted to make about VTubers. Now I don't know how aware the room is of virtual YouTubers, people who actually go out of their way not to be doxxed, you know, who present, don't even present their real face, don't present their real voice. They often use an AI voice. Um, they, you know, create everything um, in software, in apps to really present as uh, little information about themselves as possible. And yet these people are often called out by the community itself, often YouTube, Reddit, 4chan, uh, things like this can be as specific and as um, as doxing as any other other uh, form you can find. And once these people have been considered to be persona non grata for whatever reason, then pretty quickly they're doxed. Pretty quickly you find out about their, their real lives. This seems to happen as revenge, sometimes on Twitch um, and the Twitch uh, the gaming streams. But other times it happens because you know they put forward a political point of view that people don't like because they've made a statement about something which people don't like. And again, I think this is one of the other issues we haven't really talked about, but still comes under the idea of protecting your privacy, protecting your security, protecting your identity, is how to avoid cyberbullying, which affects millions and millions of people and has a proven link to um, detriments to uh, mental health, physical health, and obviously um, other things like self-harm, um, all of which are iniquitous and all of which, you know, after our, uh, uh, as Dave alluded to, after our hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, you know, really we should be addressing and getting and trying to mitigate as a society. And um, I think that a metaverse, uh, to come back to the original question, I think a metaverse would be awesome. I, I'd love to see a treat metaverse, but I think it's uh, somewhere off. And again, very expensive to develop as well and to get it working properly. I, I think a first step towards that is to create something which, as I say, parallels both Web3, uh, gives you sophistication of Web3, and also has a in real life 
um, uh, parallel. I think that is, uh, yes, it's it's stepping between the two worlds, but I think that for now, I think that's a better form of uh, metaverse um, than having something which is all singing, all dancing and costs an absolute fortune. Like I say, I don't think there's a killer app for it yet. I think there will be. I think something will emerge, and probably a RuneScape variant <laughs> or something coming out of gaming will emerge that everyone will latch onto. Like Fortnite, for instance, has been pretty successful at bringing real-life people into the virtual world. Um, I think something like that will probably emerge, and with it will come along an economy, uh, tools like the the ID tools, um, like the uh, the cipher the, the cipher state. Um, something that does include UBI, because I, I think UBI is a really important topic, one that is under-discussed because of the fact that we're heading towards a future where AI is probably going to replace a lot of jobs. And the, I think the thing that nobody saw coming was it starts with creative jobs. I don't think anyone ever imagined that art, music, and writing would be first in the firing line of artificial intelligence. No, no, of course not. And it's uh, and it seems like these generative models have be the, been the culprit of that. Um, I think most people. I don't know. I don't know what most, most people thought. I couldn't couldn't really speak to everyone, but um, I personally thought something like uh, an artificial general intelligence would be um, something that came out um, first. I didn't really I take into consideration that obviously there's always a middle ground. There's always like uh, a path to uh, that kind of thing, and it turns out that it's these generative models which take an awful lot of the work out of the creative process. Um, like uh, I had a conversation with a, a few creatives just uh, just a couple of days ago about this. Uh, and uh, they were, they were these, these people, there's, there's different um, levels of how artists and how creatives are taking this kind of, uh, um, this jump towards artificial um, content. And, um, and these two, they were, they were, they were upset, you know, they're, they're, they're upset that they're, uh, their efforts, their uh, their their creativeness is being undermined, uh, and sometimes, um, in their opinion, um, copied uh, um, flagrantly um, through uh, through the scraping activities of these generative models. Um, but um, I just want, I, I I gave them a little reminder, and I'll give that same reminder to everyone in this room. Um, it's not the the final product. Uh, it's not the final product. That's uh, that's the that is that represents your creation. Uh, it's the it's the process. It's the process that is the that contains your um, like uh, the creative spark. Um, so I think uh, again in 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 the in the case of like uh, of adult performance like uh, like like with TreatDAO uh, and with any other creative um, uh, having the um, having the ability to prove yourself, prove yourself as a as a verified human uh, um, uh, is something that will become more and more valuable uh, because you know. With, the artificial content is so so saturated. Even now, it's going to become infinitely more so, exponentially more saturated. Uh, we're going to have, you know, every single piece of art that you see on a TV or an ad uh, is going to be completely artificial because you know no one cares about that stuff. It's in like it's that base level design stuff that's going to really take a hit from artificial um, intelligence and art and generative models. Um, but I think it's the um, like uh, the people who prove their process and um, and uh, make um, make a make a point of ensuring that they are known as a uh, as a human who derives their value from being human. Uh, I think those people will in fact increase in value. Uh, so I think like adult performers, especially, I think they will. I think they will have a, a, an okay time 
of actually doing that because you know obviously their 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 medium is generally video or images um so i think in video is easier because obviously um video is more difficult to um uh to 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 fake at least right now um but um uh, i think having the ability to prove that process in the adult performance case it's the actual video of them you know or the or the, or the image um i think that will become more more value because people will um uh, people will come like moths to a flame uh, for something that is uh, a genuine human interaction in an age where all you really get is artificial. Uh, so I think that's something to at least some positive note out of it. But yeah, I'm not sure what you think about that, Rob. Yeah, I, I generally agree. I mean, I've been working for two years on an AI model of my own, um, which John is aware of because I've been using it actually for the, for a treat dial, for the treat magazine to generate um, uh, you know, attractive art and um, specific content for specific features and editorials. And I've just been blown away by it. I mean, when I started using Stable Diffusion um, in its first iteration, it was it was quite pathetic. It was something which, you know, required a, a lot of effort to understand uh, fully, to train, um, to be able to uh, put in uh, extensions, to be able to add embeddings and LORAs and Lycoruses and all sorts of new uh, technobabble that I had to learn in the first instance to actually get this thing to work at all. And then after putting in my photography, training it on my photography and my previous 20 years of work, um, I began to see some amazing results. It began to really get my style, understand it. Um, and now the model is not just able to generate photorealism in my style, but it's also able to, uh, you know, pe uh, cherry pick from pretty much any star of any artist who's ever lived. And it's a, it's, it's a scary seeing the progress. I mean, over the last 18 months, it's just gone from, you know, lemons on the beach wearing sunglasses to now being able to create uh, images that on first glance, you wouldn't know we're not photographic. I mean, again, it's gone from artists getting upset and saying, oh, it's going to do dragons in the style of Greg, Viz Greg Vitusky, to now photographers getting worried and saying, oh my God, it's going to replace stock photography. It's going to replace product photography. You know, why would you hire a product photographer for $1,000 an hour when you can just type in a prompt, uh, add a Laura to that prompt, run it through a sophisticated um, uh, generative AI, and you have your product. And companies are greedy, company executives are greedy. You know, if they can do it for free, they will do it for free. If they can do it for, you know, cents on the dollar, they're going to do it for cents on the dollar. And so it, it is a scary proposition. But I agree with you completely, Dave, that people who have a process, a workflow, who are already quite well known, who have um, a flair, a style, who have imagination, who can prove their human capabilities are always going to be much more attractive than something created literally in a production line or a factory somewhere. Um, the one thing I would do worry about is misinformation because if, again, a bad actor, a bad state really uses this technology, then you could have news alerts appearing, which are completely false, with video to back it up, you know, with with uh, indistinguishable from real life photography to back it up. And by the time you've made a decision based on that, it may be too late. So again, advertisers could, could misuse this, uh, bad actors, corporates. And I think, again, that comes back to how do we build trust into the system? How do you build trust into a system dominated by AI? I think that's a discussion by itself. <laughs> 
hundred percent. And it's a big discussion. Uh, but there's also an equally large discussion on how do we build trust on a system built by humans? <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, trust has been a trust has been an issue for as long as uh, humans have existed in any kind of sentient fashion. Um, but like um, one of the things we're trying to, uh, or one of the things I've been thinking about personally, this is not from Galactic Network's perspective, but it is about Galactica. Um, so obviously on Galactic Network, again, I'll just reiterate, you can you can maintain this base level of privacy while having a digital identity and being able to transact not only with your um, finances, but also with your based on your reputation. So you can like uh, you don't have to make financial transactions if you don't want to. You can govern via reputation rather than through just whoever has the most tokens. You know that kind of thing. Um, but one of the things that that has uh, as a benefit in com- in combination with some uh, some other completely non-blockchain related zero knowledge technology um, is that you can have like, one of my friends who I've been talking to recently. Um, he's been developing um, zero knowledge tech that basically tags photos. So it ensures the veracity of a photo means it's not been edited in any meaningful way. So obviously, whenever you um, uh, upload a photo or anything to any service, it does degrade a little bit. Doesn't matter what you do with data, you know, if you if you transfer it, it does degrade. But within um, certain percentage points, um, you can guarantee the veracity of a photo if you um, um, basically tag it with a, a zero knowledge proof at source. Um, so that's one of the things that I'm thinking about right now is, uh, is creating, um, like, a, a decentralized uh, news organization or Galactica network, um, which allows people again, so you have verified people for guaranteed because you're on Galactica network, you have, um, you have reputation based transactions, so you don't have the financial incentives that mess up news. Uh, and then you have this uh, veracity layer that allows you to verify the images and videos and stuff, stuff that are being uploaded. Um, so I think that's that would be a really cool use case as well. Sorry, I've actually managed to turn off my microphone. I, I apologize. I was just uh, I was just no, you're off good. There. Yeah, um, no, that that's I mean absolutely. I mean t- sharing. So one of my one of my favorite counter sort of points that you know people when 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 boomers say things like oh I don't have anything to hide like why do I need privacy like the easiest thing is that. Well, if you don't have privacy, you can't really be yourself. You can't think your mind. You can't think, you know, you can't express your true thoughts because you're worried about repercussions. You're worried about people, you know, um, judging you, scoring you, you know, banning you. And, And this isn't even like inflammatory things. You can get banned or you can get deplatformed just because you say something that the administrators don't believe in, whether it's political or financial or whatever. Um, but, you know, uh, having privacy is the base layer of being able to do any of this stuff truly, because at the end of the day, it has to work with our ability to operate without any fear of, you know, some sort of centralized power uh, destroying our lives, basically. So I'm very excited to hear about, you know, the the news and, and all those things that, you know, we have ghostwriters, we have opinion writers but they are always sort of marked by their affiliations and and how they associate themselves and um it's a very interesting sort of environment that we have for information at the moment where it's like okay you're allowed to talk but if you say the thing that's against the overlord you're no longer allowed to talk and you get wiped from the planet so i'm very interested to see um how the separation of the entity and you know your identity 
um, can can help per, you know bring forward more diverse thought in terms of uh, public forums. Yeah, well, I mean, it's oh, uh, it's kind of just to, I just saw we have Polly Annie in here. We should we should get her up here because she's extremely knowledgeable on this stuff, or at least has a lot of good opinions. <laughs> Don't want to put too many words in her mouth, but we should at least invite her if she's interested. Uh, of course, if uh, if Pollyanna wants to come up, you're, you're more than welcome. I'll send you an invite. You don't have to don't have to come up if you don't want to. You're more than welcome to refuse. But uh, that's uh, it's nice to know another good person in the space. Hey, Pollyanna, good to see you. Um, I've just shamelessly posted a link into the comments, and Art Goldfinger is my curation um, site uh, for my NFTs. So if anybody actually wants to have a look at what I was talking about earlier with the generative model that I've created, AI model, and some of the art that I've created using it, um, they can go ahead and have a look. Just click the link and you can see my OpenSea account. Yeah, I think uh, it's, a, it's a good time for a reminder in general, to be honest. Um, guys, if you could, uh, firstly, uh, there's a few tasks I would uh, very much like you to do if you can. Uh, they're all free. Uh, if you could just jump down to the bottom of this space, give us a like and a retweet. And if you could also um, follow Rob, uh, follow Rob. He's a seems like a very interesting, very informed guy, and he's providing a lot of education on this space, which I am always very thankful for. Uh, indeed, I think the Treat platform. It, can you just confirm that that's the actual Treat platform on the on the business stage, Rob? Before I tell people to follow it. Uh, yes, I think so. It's, it seems to be a main treat uh, Twitter account. So, uh, okay, John, cool. what, what do you think? Uh, it's, always, it's always an interesting question, right? Maybe post it to your own Twitter and then we can direct people to that. We're all about uh, verifying people here, guys. We don't want any, uh, don't want any funny business. <laughs> but if you can, uh, if you can, if you can at least follow Rob, that'd be great. Uh, and if you can find the official treat, um, official treat profile, please follow that too. Um, it's, uh, it's been absolutely fantastic conversation up here we've had so far. Um, so guys, um, I just want to put out a final call to be honest, cause I think, um, you know, we're going to probably be winding down pretty soon. Um, I'd like to, uh, just, um, just give people the opportunity to come up if they want. Uh, so if you, uh, want to come up and ask a quick question, you are more than welcome. Um, if you want to uh, request, otherwise, uh, we can put comments in the space. Uh, but for the time being, I think, um, Oh, Polly Annie's put a comment in just saying she can't talk right now. Uh, but you are you're more than welcome to come up whenever you wish. If you are recommended by one of our uh, by one of our speakers, you're more than welcome to come up whenever you want, Polly Annie. Um, okay. Um, so if, if that's the if that's the case, and we don't have uh, any more speakers, uh, I think it's a good time to wrap up. Uh, so I'm just going to wonder if uh, either uh, we'll start with John. If you have any final thoughts you'd like to get out before we uh, before we wind down. Assuming John is actually there, uh, maybe we should start with Rob. <laughs> hey, sorry. Yeah, no, please start with Rob. I'll jump in. Cool. Okay, well, my final thought comes back to the question that was asked um, about Metaverse, because that opens a, another kind of worms, which could be another whole discussion, to be honest, because a Metaverse that works, let's assume that in 2025, someone launches a virtual platform and all the, all the things align, everything aligns, the tea leaves align, and it has mass participation. You know, it, it takes off in a way that people have been talking about for years because a good metaverse should be like internet 2.0 and it should be something that people adopt into. And then all these questions of privacy and freedom and 
free speech become amplified i think by by you know a uh, a real percentage you know you're, you're talking about um having to have all kinds of protections protections against obviously again crime fraud um age gating uh you know abusive people who are going to use that system for nefarious uh, reasons and obviously the fact that into that metaverse we encroach other systems that we can only guess at right now like military systems you know some part of this metaverse could control drones that are literally dropping bombs on people which makes some people culpable murder within that metaverse um there'll be all sorts of things both financial and especially democratic because my love of decentralization has always been because i saw it as democratization i saw it as a way that you know one person one vote one person has an individual point of view and uh the freedom to exercise it in ideal uh situations and so for me i think that everything you've been talking about with galactica has made a huge amount of sense I think that it sounds like a great project, uh, very forward-looking, um, very much of its time. And you know, I, I'm pretty happy to have been part of this conversation. I think it's been a great, a great conversation. Uh, something which has definitely made me think again and again about issues I care about deeply. Which again, I like personal freedom. Um, you know, being able to create content without having to worry about being censored all the time or being being uh, banned or, you know, being treated unfairly or demonetized, which is, a, a, again, an, another huge issue in not safe for work content online, just generally. And I think if we can, if we enter a metaverse in the near future, which I'm pretty sure is inevitable, just imagine how much of that won't be human. You know, uh, uh, probably 99% of it will be AI. It'll be AI apps running uh, so far ahead of us, as you said, on quantum computers. We can't even imagine what it'd be like. So then humanity becomes the rarest commodity. <laughs> it becomes value in itself. Um, and then these passports, these wallets, these DIDs, and in fact, I would argue cold wallets as well, like you have for crypto, you know, where you have a, a cold wallet that stores your blockchain, your PIN, your uh, personal identification. So that, you know, unless someone takes that from you, they don't have access to it. Because some of this information, even by storing it online, could expose you to danger, but having a cold wallet would be a great way of avoiding that. And I think I think that that's obviously a much wider conversation we could possibly have here, but it, it is one to maybe bookmark for another day. And anyway, I just want to say thank you very much for being a great host and thank you for the space. And um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. You are more than welcome, Rob, and you're more than welcome to come back whenever you want. It's been a really a real joy speaking to you. Um, but uh, just quickly on uh, on metaversal stuff, um, I have a very quick theory, I guess, uh, in that you know if you are a human um, who enjoys interacting in a digital space in any way, shape, or form, um, you are um, you're going to have trouble in if you don't have any way of identifying yourself as a verifiable human in the future, because you know the artificial identities. Uh, they're almost indistinguishable from a human now. Uh, in the future, they will be indistinguishable plus. They will be more intelligent. They will be, they will be funnier. They will, be, they will have aspects to them that we don't even have. Now, in the case of, um, like, uh, this is why I personally believe the Galactica Network is, in fact, the ultimate metaverse, um, or at least the ultimate rails for a metaverse. 
let me explain. So if in my, my theory of metaverse is that, you know, we'll have um, a set of rails that people will um, like uh, interact with the metaverse from. So there will be, you know, there'll be a thousand metaverse projects, you could call them, but they could be almost anything, you know, they could be a simple game. A Web2 game could be part of the metaverse with no issue at all. It would just be, you know, a, you know, a VR game or something, or even a non-VR game. It would still be part of the metaverse and it could still be accessed from these metaverse rails. Now, the point is that the metaverse rails we run off, they need to be human-based. They need to have um, verifiable humans in that space. Those humans need to have their privacy uh, in that space. Those humans need to be able to interact with not just finances, because finances kill social interactions, they also need to be um, able to run with, uh, they also need to you know, be able to transact based on your reputation rather than just your finances. So in the end, I think if, uh, you know, if we spun up uh, a virtual environment based on Galactica Network, in which you could simply you know, use all of these features, uh, your privacy, your identity, your reputation, to interact with the rest of the metaverse, then I think that would be the ultimate metaverse rails. That's my theory on that. Um, right. Uh, I think uh, we've actually lost Rob, <laughs> which is unfortunate. But, um, I'm glad he... Oh, no. Glad he uh... oh, no, I'm here. I'm here. Well, I don't know if you meant me when you say you lost me. No, I no, said I Rob. I think, I think Rob disappeared. Oh, okay. Well, I still see him up here, but I don't know. Yeah. No, this was great. i um, very excited to be able to get... Um, these two projects chatting and uh, i think there's a ton of value to be unlocked from the privacy from you know between both of them just uh for social personal professional financial uh definitely looking forward to seeing how all that plays out 100 percent, john 100 percent. um so uh, i think what we'll do now is uh, i'll just do uh, the the standard request guys uh, we are just about to end the space now. So if you could just do us a favor by jumping down into the bottom of the space, giving us a like and a retweet, um, it will help get people more, um, more people get to the recording, which will in turn educate more people. And this is one of the things we try to do in a, as, a, as a primary goal of these spaces is to educate. Uh, you know, we are obviously biased towards Galactica Network. We're biased towards the people we, uh, we bring up here to, uh, to have a chat with. Uh, but in the end, we are attempting to educate in the most uh, non-biased way we can. Uh, but we still want you to like the space because, you know, please, we, we love it. We, we, we just want to, we want to feel the love. Um, so um, I guess uh, that's, uh, that's it from us, guys. Uh, if you would like to check out Galactica Network and find out what we're up to, the best way is to uh, check out the Cypher State campaign. Uh, I've pinned it up top. Uh, you can click through there, join onto our Discord, and we're more than happy to help in any way we can get you all set up. Um, basically, the Cypher State campaign will allow you to um, to just get your Cypher State um, to get your Galactica Network passport uh, early, and this is probably the best way to get uh, get access to the universal basic income as quickly as you can, as well as be able to govern the protocol, as well as be able to run a validator. Everything kind of runs off becoming a citizen of Galactica Network, and that is a primary concept because this is the first citizenship to a blockchain. Uh, in history, there is no other. There are other. There are other um, concepts that have been called citizenship, um, but none of them are actual citizenship unless they don't just have a financial base, but also a social one. Um, so, my apologies, my dog again. I will wrap this up now. Uh, so, thank you guys very much for coming. There will be another space. Uh, this time, it will be next Tuesday at uh, nine o'clock UTC. 
Uh, so thank you very much for coming, everyone. I hope to see you on that space. And we will see you on the next episode, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth. Sit and wonder about the worth and play. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets. Dead ends dragging out the max amount of Payments, red down days, got them acting all bankless. Yo, fam, what? Check these token knocks. They probing this bear, flexing broken knives. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting knives. And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic. Never known the politic, I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top. We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom. Over the impossible loss, it's all moss. And I'm liking the odds. Fond doing the morning, forming mycological. Bonds. Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary fall Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace Stacked in non-toxic just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage like the shit is played for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybellines They call it implausible when model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low-hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Tender spaces.